This episode of Women on the Rise is sponsored by The Riveter, a workspace designed for women and their advocates. Stay tuned to the end for more information about how you can join The Riveter's movement and ambition. If I'm feeling good, if I'm you know taking care of myself, if I have the energy, if I have that clarity of mind, if I'm feeling settled... And, uh, you know, I'm in such a better place to move into those roles in, and be the person that I really not only want to be, but I'm meant to be. Welcome to Women on the Rise. I'm your host, Lara Dolch. And each week I talk to thriving women about the practical self-care strategies they use to fuel their success and pursue what's most important to them in their careers and lives. We get real about topics like healthy eating, exercise, sleep, stress, time management, happiness, and productivity, while busting myths about work-life balance and being perfect along the way. My goal each week is to uncover a new insight or practical strategy that you can immediately apply to your life to recapture your momentum, mind, body, and soul without turning your life upside down. Today, I'm talking to Vivian Lord. Vivian is a registered naturopathic doctor who specializes in helping women heal their bodies naturally, balance their hormones, and create optimal health for life. She's built practices in Vancouver, New York, and London, and currently lives in Denmark with her husband and four-year-old twins, where she serves clients all over the world. Vivian and I met in 2011 when we both lived in New York City and have since become both collaborators and friends, most recently cycling through the streets of Copenhagen on the way to dinner. So yeah, thank you so much for being here, Vivian. I'm excited to talk to you. Thank you very much for having me, Laura. So Vivian, for our listeners, Vivian is in um, just outside of Copenhagen. Um, and we're recording at about 8.30 Pacific time. So what time is it there for you? I like nine hours? It's nine hours from yeah. the West Coast. So it's about 5.30 p.m. here. Yeah, so it's evening. All right, okay. Yeah, I'm like, I, I, you know, I was, I was saying to Vivian earlier, like it's, it's too early here for me to like, be able to do the math. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, thank you for making time because I know it's kind of a crazy time for you with the kids getting home and, um, and all that good stuff. So I'm excited to, to talk to you about a couple things. I mean, first of all, given your expertise in women's hormonal health, I definitely want to dig into some of that because I think that um, my listeners and I certainly would be very interested in that. Um, so why don't we start there? Can you share a little more about your work with women and kind of when it might make sense for someone to reach out to you for support, like what that work looks like? So a lot of my work, as you mentioned, and in the intros about women's health, and a lot of that has to do with hormonal health. And what I've really found through my own personal experience and really what I'm seeing out there is that there's such a big gap for women in terms of the support that they're receiving for hormonal issues. Um, even if they have a diagnosis of you know, premenstrual syndrome or fibroids, um, you know, even at that point, uh, there really aren't very many options. There's the birth control pill, there might be hormone replacement therapy, uh, there might be painkillers or you know, maybe even antidepressants. There's not really a lot of tools for support out there for them, and there's a really big need. And so with this gap that, you know, that I've experienced and that is out there for women, you know, the thing about hormones is that often when there's an imbalance, it's really telling them that uh, their body needs support. And 
for even women who don't have maybe a diagnosis, maybe they're noticing things like, hmm, I've got acne, right? I'm getting acne before my periods or, man, I'm eating really well and I'm working out and, you know, I keep getting weight in my tummy or my, my, my body's just not shifting to all these amazing changes I'm making if they're going that route. Or, you know what, I feel like myself and I feel amazing and I feel totally in the zone. And then all of a sudden, maybe it's a week before my period, maybe for some it's the last two weeks of their menstrual cycle. Um, they just feel completely not like themselves. They've lost their mojo. They're just feeling anxious, insomnia. So, um, so the other kind of uh, women are really ones that are having symptoms, and they know that they're just some, there's something out of balance here. They may not have a diagnosis. They just know that their bodies are out of balance, and they've gone through the route of maybe visiting their doctor and looking for support, and they just haven't really found something that has really worked for them. Or they might even be on medication, but they're still just not feeling great. And so that's mm-hmm. typically when women come to me and they say, right, okay, something's going on. <laughs> can yeah. you help me figure it out and can you help me know what's going on? Yeah. And that's really when we start looking at uh, the hormones in a little bit more of a specific, more subtle and specific way for them. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like from what you're saying, and certainly from what I've heard um, from friends and from clients that, you know, sort of going to their primary care physician or their OBGYN, for example, sometimes can be kind of unsatisfying when they explain these symptoms. Is that is that what you hear as well, that, that, that women come to you and say, you know, I talked to my doctor about this, but they were like, yeah, you're fine. Yeah. And I mean, every different profession has their different expertise and skills. Mm-hmm. And the conventional medical system is amazing in so many ways. And it's so supportive in um, for, you know, endless amounts of things and infections and surgery sure. and all of those things. Um, but there are some areas that maybe where its strengths don't lie. And that's probably what those women are experiencing is, mm-hmm. okay, well, I've gone to the support that I know really well. And that, you know, typically I would go to first and I've gone down that road and yeah, it's just, it's just not, it's, it hasn't really gotten me to where I want to be. And whether that's, um, you know, moving out of the birth control pill, it, really shuts off your hormonal system. And that might help with some of the symptoms, uh, but it doesn't really address that root cause. Um, And yes, for painful cramps, you can definitely take painkillers, but that doesn't really address the question of, well, what's causing inflammation in your uterus? And so, and what I've really come to see, and I think you probably see this too, is that, you know, even if a woman doesn't have any health education or medical education, like she has an amazing understanding and a sense that there's something going on with her body. Yeah. And there is such power in that wisdom. And even if there isn't really a clear answer about what's going on, it's like, I know I don't feel like myself. Like I know that I should have more energy and I just don't have it. And that's really where, when that inner sense of, you know, that there's something not quite right doesn't really match with the support that they're maybe receiving in that mm-hmm. conventional system that then, you know, then the next step, which is wonderful, is that they start saying, well, okay, I know something's going on, so who can help me? Yeah. And then, you know, they find out from friends or friends of friends or, you know, you know that, hey, you know, this is what I've done and I have really I've worked on my diet. I've, you know, taken nutrients, I've taken herbs and yeah, I, I really feel amazing. And then that's how they typically will find it. So, yeah. Usually it's, uh, I think it's more common in, in, in North America. It's a lot of it. A lot of people know about a naturopathic doctor and, and naturopathic physicians. And, and, but in Europe right now, it's, it really is word of mouth about finding out about it. 
Yeah, I thought that was so interesting when I when you and I were talking back in September. That I I didn't realize that that it was not a a common um, path in Europe. I would have for some reason I you know it's like as an American I always think oh the Europeans are so far ahead of us. Well, that's clearly not the case in in every in every area. Is, and I'm actually curious is that you know what you're talking about in terms of you know conventional medicine being very good at many many things um, and maybe not as good at other things. Is that why? you chose the naturopathic medicine path professionally? Is that one of the reasons that you chose that path? Yeah, that's, again, you know, I, this is, that's such a great question because, you know, I never, you know, when I was younger, I, I wasn't thinking, well, I'm going to be a medical doctor. And then, you know, and then I got to a place where I was like, well, I don't know if I want to be that kind of doctor or this kind of doctor. Right. I, as many of us do, and it, I, I kind of stumbled into my calling through my own journey and for me, it just so happened to be my health that brought me to to be doing what I'm doing today and supporting and and offering support in the ways that I do. And so it really was, you know, I found what worked for me. And then I was like, hey, I could, you know, I could really do this as my life work. This is really cool. So that's really what I and it what it was a you know, it was my neighbor who was a naturopathic doctor. I'd never even heard of it. And it was that, you know, her really sharing a little bit with me and you know, and I can share more about that, but yeah. So it was really, wasn't like, do I go down fork road left or fork road right? It was more just this, this journey of really finding and following, you know, um, my own uh, healing journey. And then that bringing me to this place. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I think, as you said, that's a fairly common, um, especially <laughs> for many of us, like no, I, I <laughs> that had like the straight line and it <laughs> Exactly what we wanted to do when we were 10 or whatever. Right. I mean, I don't even know if I what I wanted to be when I was 10. <laughs> so, but this this is not something that I ever in, could have envisioned, even, right? So, so yeah, back to the um to the hormone balance thing for a minute. I, I wanted to ask you, uh, you talk a lot about um balancing your hormones naturally. And I think that a lot of women, myself included, are not as well educated about our hormones and kind of what to pay attention to. Can you kind of walk us through like hormones 101 <laughs> or walk yeah. me through it? <laughs> so how many hours do we have for this podcast? I know, right? I know. <laughs> the broad question. Yeah, and that's a great question. And, you know, even in you asking that question and sharing about it, that is that really calls for one of the other gaps. We do not learn about our bodies. And there were so many times when I was in naturopathic college and I'd be sitting in obstetrics class and I'd be thinking, what? Why don't I know this? I mean, why am I having to go through four years of postgraduate education to learn about things that I feel like we should learn anyway? So, yeah. Um, so we're not really, we don't really grow up in an environment. We're not really surrounded by support and education to really understand what's, what's happening with our bodies. And, you know, and also it's not something that we talk about. I mean, even when you're in your teens, you don't really talk about your period or that acne that you might be getting. It's really like just cover it up as much as you can, or, you know, just, mm -hmm. it's just not really open to talk about. That's a, maybe a cultural thing. Um, so in terms of hormones 101, oh my gosh, well, hormones are really, if you think about it, they are complex, which is probably why they're so hard to kind of understand. We have a lot of different hormones and we have things called glands that make hormones. Um, and hormones are also made in other tissues, but I, I'll probably talk about the main ones. Um, so your yeah. thyroid gland makes your thyroid hormone and that's metabolism. So that's, you know, energy and weight and 
and a lot of other functions. Uh, another main hormone would be your, uh, from your adrenal glands, uh, and those produce your stress hormones, epinephrine, norepinephrine, cortisol. Uh, another gland would be your pancreas. Uh, you might have heard of insulin uh, around the idea of diabetes. So pan the pancreas makes a hormone called insulin. Um, and then your ovaries, those two little um, ovaries that hang out near your uh, uterus, they make your sex hormones. And um, they're the main source of your sex hormones in your life. And so you've got all these glands and some tissues making a lot of hormones. And it's basically this giant communication system. And the way that I really think about hormones to, to help me envision them is that it's almost like if you're sitting in a theater and you're watching a dance performance and every dancer has their own you know, moves that they're doing to the bit rhythm and the beat. And then together they kind of create this whole dance scene. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if one of those dancers maybe was like up late the night before or, <laughs> you know, not feeling well, or, you know, they trip and they fall, it kind of throws the whole rest of the performance off. And when that performance is thrown off, you're sitting there and you're looking, you're like, Ooh, yeah, you know, the music is going really well, but you know, it doesn't really, you know, uh, you can tell that something's going on. And, and that's really how this, this, at least what I really see for, for women is that when that, when that kind of that, that real rhythmic, that natural rhythmic dance that the hormones are really meant to be in, when that's off, they notice it and they, and they, can, and they can feel it. So a lot of the work of balancing hormones, and we can talk about some of the ways to do that, but a lot of it is about finding out, okay, for that particular hormone, like what's its natural rhythm? So for example, you have a sleep-wake cycle. Um, your, your cortisol, which is your stress hormone, and your melatonin, which is your sleep hormone, those are in a dance together. So you've got um, you know, cortisol during the higher during the day, then you've got your melatonin lower at night. And so that's their rhythm. So you kind of can work on that rhythm and how can I, how can I get my sleep wake cycle? And then your ovaries, they have this real natural rhythm where, you know, at certain times of the month, they're secreting more estrogen. And then at certain times of the month is, you know, higher levels of progesterone. And so helping them get back into that pattern where then you've got sort of, you know, estrogen coming up at the you know, beginning of your cycle and, and progesterone higher in the second half. And you know, that is really getting into rhythm. And so you can kind of work with each of them, but they're not in little boxes and they are really all in communication with each other. And, mm -hmm. um, and so that I think is where things get a little bit complex. And you know, we like to sort of think like, oh, take this bioidentical estrogen or that bioidentical progesterone and take that thyroid hormone this. But none of them are in isolation and they're all in community. They're all in that dance together. So we really need to look at them as, as a whole and, yeah. and go from there. And, um, and then when they are, you know, as they move into rhythm and get back into that uh, natural rhythm, you know, on their own and with the hormones that they're in communication with, then uh, that's when, uh, you know, women typically just feel a lot more like themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I know you have a, a guide on your website to help women start to look into how to balance their hormones naturally. So um, we can talk about it at the end and I'll put a link to that. Cause I think, cause this conversation, I mean, we could just talk about this for like <laughs> hours and I'm actually having a really hard time resisting not doing that. I, I may ask you back on the podcast to have a, you know, just an entire episode around, you know, sort of your expertise. I mean, obviously you know, you could pay for that too. So people can, <laughs> can reach out for your support, but it's such a fascinating area area and you know as a as a woman in her 40s and and who is beginning to notice changes in my body and um 
you know, it's, it's, it's so honestly, it's very fascinating to watch. Like (laughs) I've tried to take the position as of observer instead of like freak out, you know? Um, but actually before we move off of that topic, I would love, you know, maybe one or two things that you can share about, you know, how women's hormones change as they age and what, what, like maybe one or two things to look out for that are normal and like totally normal symptoms, but that maybe women, um, you know, freak out about and don't realize that they can actually affect, if that makes sense. Yes. Okay. So I, so let's talk about the aging piece first. And I'm really glad that you brought that up. I, in particular in this past year, and I don't know if it's because I'm turning 42 or what, what, or, or just whether it's, you know, in the ether that, that this is rising, but I just have, um, felt so passionate about this perimenopausal menopausal, uh, transition. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is such, it's the biggest hormonal transition that women go through since, since, you know, other than pregnancy, since they were teens. Yeah. And we often kind of, you know, the stories about it are typically so negative and it's, it's really, um, not, it tends to not be looked upon as positive, but it is, uh, something that our bodies are made to go through that we are meant to go through and we're meant to live, you know, happy, healthy, um, you know, beautiful 33 more decades afterwards. So, um, so aging is natural. We are meant to grow old. We are meant to get wiser. We are meant to learn. And, um, and I think, you know, it becomes a little bit harder being in a culture that really tends to, in my opinion, value youth so much. So, you know, I really think it's time that we begin to um, really celebrate this important time in our lives. And, and I think part of being able to celebrate it is being able to shift out of the story of, okay, well, I'm on a one-way track to hot flashes and sleepless nights and just feeling terrible and, you know, gaining uh, abdominal weight and, and losing my bone strength. And that's just where I'm going mm-hmm. to, to really looking at, okay, well, what's going on with my body and Hey, what can I do right now? So that I feel as good in my, you know, late forties, late fifties, late sixties, as I do right now. And, um, and so to, to sort of kind of dive into that, what's going on in perimenopause is really simple. It's the ovaries who are made that, who are making most of the, you know, sex hormones, estrogen and progesterone and testosterone. Once, um, once they are finished with their job of ovulating every month and, um, they, they actually aren't the main producer of those hormones, but we still need those hormones. I mean, we need estrogen for, um, you know, for healthy bones. We need our hormones for a good, healthy libido and energy mm-hmm. in those pieces. So who takes that over? Well, it's the adrenal glands. Those are the little uh, glands I mentioned earlier that also make stress hormones. So as you can imagine, if they've been working really hard for, you know, three or four decades, you know, making lots of stress hormones, if they're not functioning, functioning optimally, then, um, then they're, then they're, they may not be fully up to the job of making this, making sex hormones at the right amount, you know, at the same level as the ovaries were. So that kind of like drop in hormone levels or those real fluctuations as the mm-hmm. ovaries are you know, passing the baton on to the adrenal glands can really be a lot of where this, um, where the symptoms come from. So what does that tell us? That tells us, okay, well, if I'm a woman in my thirties, I can actually help myself prepare to feel a lot better through menopause. How can I do that? I can really nurture and support my stress response system um, and, and prepare and address those issues early on so that I can then you know, feel a lot better as I move through 
perimenopause and menopause. Yeah, that's so great. That's that's I love the way you framed that. And I think especially because it, it centers to a large degree on stress management, which is a huge piece of what I see getting in the way of women feeling healthy and strong and managing their, you know, their food choices and their exercise choices. And so I, I love that there's yet another reason. <laughs> to start managing stress and, and gathering the tools to, to handle that now so that you can support um, that part of your body as you move into this different phase of your life. And yeah, I totally agree with you. Like we need to be, we need to be not only educating ourselves about this time, this transition, but yeah, celebrating it. And it's, and it can be so difficult in this culture to do that. But I, I love that you, I love that you shared that. And I think that it's becoming more and more common um, for women to really maybe not fully embrace it yet, but getting there. <laughs> Definitely getting there. Yeah. Yeah, we are. In your quest to reactivate the confident, healthy, and powerful you, you've hit a few snacks. Eating better takes planning. Exercising more takes time. Getting more sleep? Yeah, right. What if you could clear the number one most challenging hurdle standing in your way? That's why I created Kickstart Sessions. Together, we'll identify your number one challenge from the three most common I see my clients face, eating better, exercising more, and managing stress. Then we'll create a plan for you to tackle it. You'll leave our session with three specific steps you can take right now to begin moving towards your most confident, healthy, and powerful you. Visit laradolch.com slash kickstart dash sessions. That's sessions with an S on the end to learn more and book your kickstart session today laradolch.com slash kickstart dash sessions. So I want to, um, I just want to shift gears here a little bit as I, as I do, um, to kind of a more personal, um, mm -hmm. side of things. And I, I'm always curious to talk to my guests about how they, uh, define self care, you know, for themselves at, at this point in their life. I mean, given that you are, you know, you have a busy practice, you know, with clients all over the world, by the way, I mean, you know, um, you have two young children, um, and you have a husband and, you know, you have a lot of other, you know, things that you're trying to balance. So what is self care? look like? What does that mean for you right now? Yeah. So I like to talk a lot in uh, whether it's an analogy or metaphor, but it helps me <laughs> to really communicate a little bit. And maybe it's because I'm in Denmark, but I really, for me, self-care, you know, first of all, the first two words that come to my mind are, you know, being, are gentle, mm. being gentle on myself. I think that is first and foremost, such an important part of self-care. I think, you know, there are so many expectations out there about, you know, eating perfectly and working out really hard and, you know, doing all this that, that it's so easy for taking care of yourself and for being healthy to feel like, oh, just another thing that you have to do. Yeah. And what I really feel like self-care is, is it's okay. Well, it's waking, you know, every day in every decision through the day, making a decision. Well, what can I decide here so that I can really feel how I want to in my life? And whether it's kind of, you know, choosing that thing in the fridge or the other thing in the fridge, and it's, it's an ongoing piece. And we never get to a place where we're quote unquote, you know, healthy and that, you know, we're, we're there and everything stops being healthy and self-care. I think of it like riding a bike, you know, uh, you know, I'm in, I live in Denmark now, bikes are pretty big, you know, more people ride their bikes to work in Copenhagen than drive. So I don't know if it's just that that's, you know, that I'm picking up on, but I also love biking. So 
So um, I think of, of self-care as, as like riding a bike. So, you know, sometimes when you're riding a bike, uh, you know, you always have to be pedaling, you know, and then sometimes when you're riding a bike, there's downhill parts where you just, you know, kind of like not have to pedal, the wind's in your hair, it feels amazing. And then there's times where you're, you know, cycling up a steep hill and you really have to work hard, right? But then you get that satisfaction of getting to the top of it. You're like, yeah, I got up there. And, and then, but no matter what, when you're, when you're riding your bike, you're always typically pedaling most of the time and you always have your hands on the handlebars. Mm. The minute you just let go of the handlebars and sort of like forget that you're riding your bike, that bike, you know, goes off the curb. So I think of self-care in that way that, you know, I'm always steering it. You're always kind of like tending to it. You're, you know, you're pedaling sometimes harder, sometimes not at all. Sometimes you're having lots of fun, but it's just this, this, this part of kind of daily life. And, and I think in that way, it, um, for me, you know, the whole idea of a daily practice is that I'm always continually looking for ways that I can take care of myself better. I'm always looking for ways that I can slow down. And, 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 um, and so, so, so that would be how I really define it. I love that analogy. That's such a great analogy. It really is. I mean, it's, it's, especially with the, the idea that it, it has to sort of run in the background at all times in order for, you know, not necessarily at like a crazy, you know, pace all the time, but that it's got to be there. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that's, I think that's a great, perfect analogy, actually. It's um, the same with anything we care about, whether it's sure. your business, you know, you would never just get to a place where like, right, my business just runs on its own and just walk right. away. Or, yeah. you know, you never get to a place where your kids are just don't need parenting anymore. You know, parenting, work, like uh, relationships, like anything that you value is this constant ongoing um, investment in consciousness. Yeah, I love that. And I, you mentioned, you know, daily habits and I, I, it makes me wonder if there's something that you, if there's one or two things that you do either every day or every week or whatever that you feel like sort of disproportionately affect your ability to um, be present and be effective in your day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and this, and I will say this is so specific for everyone and you know that from your work. And so I will all share what mine are certainly, but it's such a great question for every woman who's listening to this call to actually think about that for themselves and maybe even jot it down. It's like, what are these like one or two things that like, I know when those are Mm -hmm. happening, I feel so good. (laughs) Yep. Your non-negotiables, right? Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's sleep is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I know <laughs> that I feel great when I have good sleep. If I am up too late or I have disrupted sleep, then you know I just don't feel great. So I can't control all factors. You know, I have uh, four-year-old twins. There's going to be this or that, or you know, <laughs> there's going to be things that are, you know, there's going to be things that are happening. But what I can do is choose when I go to bed. I can choose, you know, the kind of environment that I give my body. To, to, to rest. And I can choose, um, you know, whether electronics are a part of that or not. So I can, I really have a lot of choice to be able to, to create that for myself. So sleep is really one of those non-negotiables. Um, the other thing for me, uh, in particular is, is food and eating regularly. Uh, I know that I feel my best when I am nourishing my body regularly. And that's when I think clear. It's when I feel more settled in my nervous system. Um, I uh, tend to be a little bit more sensitive on the blood sugar side of things. But I think, you know, naturally humans just really like to um, have their blood sugar balance. So I really mm-hmm. do 
take care to, to really invest time and planning and make sure that that's available to me. And then if I were to pick one other for me, it's, uh, it's getting outside and mm-hmm. whether that looks like a walk, mm-hmm. going for a walk. And I find, you know, even going on a walk and like smelling a flower, it's just like, Oh, okay. That to me, <laughs> like yeah. what that one flower could just make my whole day and, um, or just seeing one thing on that walk. So I, if I were to pick three, um, those, those really might be, might be it. Yeah. Well, and I, I love that you, when you're talking about sleep in particular, you're sort of focusing on what you can control, right? Because you can't control everything (laughs) and that's, (laughs) that's just life, right? So focusing on what you can control. I mean, that's been, that's actually funny that you brought that up because that's been a lesson that I've been thinking about as it relates to, to my work and my business recently. Like there's certain things that you just can't control. So you, you focus on what you can and, um, and that's enough, right? I mean, I think yes. trying to make everything perfect is is where we run into into trouble because then we we're like, well, I can't do it all, so I'm just not going to do anything. <laughs> yeah, and that is and Laura, like that is so powerful to think about in terms of self care because I think what happens in self care is that there is such a focus on okay, well, what is you know, so the way that we're talking about it is about encouraging everyone and, you know, every woman who's listening or everyone who's listening to really think about well, what really works for me. But what mm-hmm. often is so much out there is, you know, like do this, do that, like eat, drink coffee, don't drink coffee, eat, yeah. have the superfood, don't do that. If you want this, do that, do that, do that. And it's like, we are bombarded with a thousand million different messages of what we should and could be doing, what superfood or whatever it is to be doing. And that's, it's so easy to lose what works for you and doesn't work for you. Mm-hmm. So what, you know, to, you know, what I've really found is uh, so much of the journey for women is about learning how to filter that in terms of what actually works for them and to really grow and build that, that kind of body wisdom, that feedback so that they know if, you know, that superfood or, you know, w- whatever food that is, you know, even if, you know, nine out of 10 people say it's really great. And they're like, you know what, actually that doesn't really work for me. And then it can, it really simplifies things and cuts out all of those, um, to do's. And, you know, you mentioned about your business and I, it's so easy to get to that place of like, Oh, I could do all these million things, but then it's always coming back to like, okay, but what is really, what is, what is going to get me to where I want to go and, and what's really going to support that. So yeah, I'm so glad yeah. that we're, we're, that this has come up in our conversation because, I think that is really the ticket for moving out of that kind of healthy being kind of the chore and being this real kind of like just another to-do list. That's another overwhelming, stressful thing. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. really wants to then it being this really beautiful journey of, um, of, of learning and growing, um, and taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's so easy, even, even if you've experienced that, ability to tune into your body and, and make your own choices. It's easy to lose. There's so, like you said, there's so much coming at you that you can fall out of that. I mean, I was talking to a client the other day whose son is very into a lot of different health regimens and she, you know, has been, you know, learning what works for her. And, you know, even though she kind of trusts herself at this point, like his, um, his opinions still weigh heavy on her. And I had to remind her that's awesome that's great that he is, you know, opening the door to you exploring these other things. But remember that your body is the expert, right? So try what he's saying. Fine, go for it. If it works for you, great. If it doesn't, but you, you're the expert on yourself and, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to get sidetracked. 
Yeah, it, it definitely is. Um, and Especially with people we love, right? People we love and respect, right? Because, you know, we're like, oh, well, yeah, I trust them. Well, mm-hmm. they're not, you know, sure, trust them, but test what they're, what they're telling you and see if it works for you and your body. Yes, I agree. And even from a practitioner perspective, um, you know, people ask me sort of sometimes like, oh, well, what, what's, what, what sort of dietary way do you sort of preach yeah. or teach? And that, and I sort of think to myself, well, no, I know a lot of different therapeutic diets, but you know, I, I would never, you know, research is coming forward and changing so much. I feel like the minute you try and grab onto one thing and say, that's the one way of doing something or that, you know, <laughs> unfortunately five years later, you're not going to look very great. So, you know, I totally. think it's yeah. like, it's like, okay, you know, there is paleo, there's a vegan, vegetarian, there's low carb, there's all these different things out there. And it's not so much about which one is right or wrong or which one is going to balance your hormones or which one is going to help you reach these goals the best, but actually, okay, which one is going to be the right fit for what your body really needs. Mm-hmm. And for your lifestyle yeah. too, right? I mean, there's exactly. certain practicalities. Exactly. That you, yeah. 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 So it's like, as you said, it can come in from other people and it can also come in sometimes from other practitioners and yeah. then of course the media too. So we've got lots, you know, you know, lots of messages coming um, at us in different ways. Well, and that's why I'm I'm so glad that there are other people in the world like you who are also trying to teach women how to listen to their own bodies. Because I, I, I just, to your point, I think that's the key. Absolutely, with all of this. Um, oh my gosh, I have so many things that I want to talk to you about, but I, but I want to keep this, you know, um, to a relatively reasonable amount of time. So I'm just going to ask you one more um, question about sort of what changes for you in terms of how you impact the world when you prioritize self-care versus when you don't? Yes. Okay. So what changes in the world? Well, in terms of how you feel like you can impact the world, right? Like in terms of your work, like what do you notice? I guess so a different way to say that is what do you notice about your ability to do your work, be a parent, whatever it is on that particular day when you prioritize these things that you were mentioning earlier versus versus days that maybe you don't? Uh, Okay. So for me personally, Mm Yeah. Well, I mean, so I have a lot of things that I love, you know, I love my husband, I love my kids, I love my practice, you know, clients. And I also love the planet that we live on. And I, I, um, I, so I have all of these things that I love and I think, you know, I really ask myself, okay, well, how can I contribute in the best way possible in these different roles and in all of these different things that I really care about And, um, you know, for me and, you know, and I really feel for, for most people is that, um, in general, if, you know, if I'm feeling good, if I'm, you know, taking care of myself, if I have the energy, if I have that clarity of mind, if I'm feeling settled and, uh, you know, I'm in such a better place to move into those roles in and be the person that I really not only want to be, but I'm meant to be in those roles mm. and really contribute in the ways that I can. And so I, f- I find that particularly when it comes to hormones, a lot of the hormonal issues can really get in the way. And whether it's, you know, someone having acne and just not wanting to do that interview because of it, or just feeling really exhausted and tired and not being able to get to sleep at night. So then they've got the fatigue or, 
um, and that they can really get in the way, and not just in terms of you know stealing the mojo, but actually literally get in the way of um, of of women you know, stepping forward and 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 um, you know whether it's with their personal goals or in their work or in their family or in their community in the ways that they want to. So I really in that I really see a responsibility to take care of myself so that I can show up for my clients and I can show up for my kids and my family in the way that I want to. Um, that's something that I feel really um, passionate about. And, and the other piece too is that generally when we are taking care of ourselves in that way, just by feeling, you know, just when one woman feels the way, you know, is feeling really good and, you know, that then can ripple out to her family and um, into the community, and that you know, it's it's really hard to think about bigger things and to think about creating change when you're just thinking about getting through that day. Mm, yeah, yeah, I love that. That's such a great way to frame it. That's exactly right. When you're just trying to make it through because you don't feel well, you can't do much else for anyone. Yeah, yeah, wow. exactly. And I love that. we are, and everyone here is so needed. Whatever that you know that skill is or that gift is it's really needed and if it's our physical bodies that are holding us back or you know maybe our feel you know feeling moody or whatever it is feeling depressed or weepy or whatever that hormonal thing is holding us back then you know then then why not um take you know learn how to take care of ourselves so that we can you know, move ourselves back into that good place yeah absolutely so where can people learn more about you and your work Vivian? Yeah. So if, um, you know, I, I know I did a quick two and a half minute hormone 101, <laughs> but if, you know, if I, so I have an ebook on my site, it's uh, www.drvivianlord.com. Uh, that's drvivianlord.com. And, um, they can actually go there and they can download, uh, an ebook that I've written. It's called, uh, balancing hormones, naturally five things you wish your doctor had told you about them. And that's really, it's, it's a very simple uh, book that that walks you through. It's it's doable. It's not a hundred pager, <laughs> <laughs> but it really kind of walks you through this journey of like, oh wow, you know, it's kind of what I wish that I read when I was thirteen. I wish my mom had given me that book. I wish everyone just like, oh wow, okay, yeah. this is this is this is how it all works. This is how my digestion is connected, and this is how stress is connected, and this is one simple thing that I can actually do in a pretty full life that can get me started. So, um, so that's a great place for them to start, to have those aha moments, to start making those connections and to really start, um, start into that journey or, or deepen that journey of self-care. Awesome, I love it. I will put a link to that in the show notes. Thank you so much, Vivian. this was so fun. Thank you, Laura. I love what you do so much. And I'm just so honored to be here and to speaking about you with this. And um, yeah, thank you so much for having me. That's it for this week's episode of Women on the Rise. Visit laradolch.com slash podcast for show notes and resources mentioned in this episode. You can download other episodes of this podcast and subscribe in the iTunes store or in Apple Podcasts. If you liked what you heard, I so appreciate your reviews and recommendations because they help me reach as many women on the rise as possible. This episode was produced by me with editing help from Dave Nelson at Lens Group Media. Tune in every week for new interviews that give you the practical tools you need to recapture your momentum, mind, body, and soul.
The Riveter is a women-forward workspace designed for community, work, and wellness. Not just a desk and a co-working space, The Riveter is a transformative movement for all women and their advocates to invite ambition. The Riveter provides the support, resources, and amenities to build successful businesses. Their members are entrepreneurs, remote workers, consultants, and everyone in between. They even have a community membership plan that provides access to professional development and fitness programming without the desk. The Riveter now has two locations in Seattle's Capitol Hill and Fremont. Neighborhoods, and a third location will open this year in LA. If you're interested, visit info.theriveter.co, that's CO, slash women on the rise for a special offer for women on the rise listeners. That's info.theriveter.co, slash women on the rise.